Welcome to Finally Alive Radio with Pastoral Counselor Gary Harris. To find out more, please go to finallyaliveradio.com. So we're going to go to the end of Acts 10 and then we'll go to Acts 11 as we continue to go through this book here. Uh, but just seeing their trek, just seeing what they've gone through, seeing really the, the roots of all, how, how all this started. And no, not Hebrew roots. All right, for if you were wondering. But here, uh, so Acts 10, we finished up. We saw, again, here, here's the transition. That's where we are. This transition. We went from all the Jews of the day, God reaching them, well, the message of the gospel being preached finally. And now we're seeing it go outside of the known Jews, right, of, of the day. Now, we, now we've hit Gentile territory. And who is the introductory to that? Cornelius, right? This, this top dog, the Italian guy, runs, runs, you know, runs the show over there with, with the military, right? He's like the perfect guy. He's like the, the, the best way to transition into the, the nations. So again, the other, other things we have to consider here is do Jews, or at least are they supposed to, are they known to mingle with the nations or the Gentiles? Typically not, right? It's, it's very odd or if not, never. So it, it would be odd. Even, even that line in there, the Simon, the Tanner, it's like, what? There's, there are lines in there like, what is, a Jew just wouldn't do stuff like this, but God has intervened. The gospel must go out, and yeah, they will run into tanners. They will run into things that they were that they're not culturally used to, and we're going to see more of that here in chapter eleven. So when we look at the uh, end of Acts ten, just to kind of connect us back to eleven. So this is where you know Cornelius is saved, his family is saved. So Acts ten forty four says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, and that's the line I want you guys to kind of keep in mind. That's going to be the uh, the star, not the star, but uh, the thing that's going to kind of ring the loudest in chapter 11. And the believers from among the circumcised. We didn't really spend too much time on that last time we will today. So notice they have a title, right? The believers from among the circumcised. Who do you think that is? Obviously the Jews. They were the ones who were circumcised. So believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. So do you see what just happened? The circumcised are looking and saying, wait, the Gentiles too? That's weird. I didn't know that was going to happen. They don't realize this is going to happen. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go to chapter 11 here. But that's, that's a key moment there. So verse 46, For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to, uh, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. And off we go to uh, chapter 11. Verse 1 says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. All right, so now again, yeah, here it is. We're reaching out outside of our own circle. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, that's what mine says here in the ESV. Circumcision party, one heck of a party, huh? All right, circumcision party, criticized. All right, so here's our contention. We have contention now between the older, if you will, the Jewish older in the sense of the ones who got saved first, Jewish believers, the circumcised party, and now the nations, the Gentiles. That's a problem. You're going to bring in a different culture. They're not supposed to be a part of what we have. Why? Because this is the Jewish Messiah. Why would you intermingle outsiders into something that the Messiahs believed, or the Jews believed for the Messiah? What are you doing? So, okay, here's our contention. This is typical church, isn't it? God does something great. God moves. He does amazing miracles. And then here's, you know, some party. I don't know. We'll call them the other circumcised party, whoever, right? Coming up, 
what are you doing, pastor? You know, what do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing, church, right? Someone, someone comes and has some sort of grievance, right? So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them? Now, is that culturally accepted by them? Of course not. We're going to see this contention, I guess, in a sense, get bigger and bigger. We're also going to see James come up pretty soon. Remember in Acts 15? We're going to see the, the, that big moment there. What is he? He's part of the circumcision party. All right. In fact, let's look, let's look at a couple of verses while we're talking about the, the party here. Speaking of, come join the party. <laughs> Speaking of the circumcision. Let's uh, look at, well, we looked at... We looked at Acts 10.45. Let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 2. We'll just hit a couple of main verses here. Galatians 2, and this is, I think chapter 3 is the, oh, foolish Galatians, but we'll go to chapter 2. And I like what, what Paul's doing here. He's upset. He's very upset. And part of the reason is this right here. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from who? From James. He was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. It's the same group. It's around the same time. In fact, it's a little bit after. But who's part of the circumcision party? James is. So and we're going to see James come up later on, as you guys already know, right? And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along, along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray uh, by their hypocrisy. And Barnabas, man, he's, he's a stand-up guy. And we're going to see more about him uh, in a little bit here in Acts 10. or Acts, uh, Yeah, Acts 10. But when I saw that their uh, conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before, the, before them all, if you, uh, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So nice nice little zinger in there, Peter, right? Uh, but notice already, what's the contention? What's the issue? What's Paul bringing them? And that's, that's why you get the oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, because part of it is this right here, your circumcision party showing up. Yeah, you're saved, great. But you're an outsider. Now I'm going to try to make the outsiders be like us, like Jews. Was that ever the intention? Was that ever preached? Have we, have we so far in the book of Acts, have we read anything like that? You're supposed to be under some sort of the, the, these laws? No, there's nothing like that. There's nothing at all like that. You're saved, you believe, you, 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 uh, you receive the Holy Spirit, you, you speak in tongues, usually getting baptized, so far we've read. And there you go. And now, now we move on from there. Nothing about putting you back under these Jewish laws. Nothing at all. And man, the Hebrew root stuff still gets to me. It's just like, man, how do you guys go back to that stuff? But anyway, that's we've already talked about that. So that's Galatians. Uh, let's take a look at, let's look at Colossians chapter 4. We'll just, again, hit a couple main verses here. And this is kind of the outro. He's, he's closing it out here. Well, and it's just one or two verses here we'll read. So uh, Colossians 4, verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoners, greet you. So here's, you know, the, the ending, the typical ending. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, on and on. Verse 11. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. And I, lo I love that line, okay? Who's he talking about? The circumcision party. So he gives them a little props. He says, yeah, these are the only ones, though. Basically, the other ones are annoying. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, so notice even Paul, he'll throw in a, a little, not a zinger, but he throws in a line in there like, yeah, yeah, the circumcision party, there's some good ones in there. You know, they, they do comfort me. <laughs> just, just a quick little, there it is. So uh, take a look at, we'll look at one last one. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Titus, this is a really good one. Uh, Titus 1. Uh, so here he's talking about, you know, overseers and, and, and those kinds of things, right? Um, the bishop on and on, verse 8, but hospitable. He's kind of giving you a good description. Uh, verse 9, he must hold firm to the, to the trustworthy word as taught 
so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are, in, uh, are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. So I read all those so you understand this circumcision party, this group who are circumcised. What are they doing? They're trying to put people back under the law. And what does he say? They're insubordinate. You're out of line. You're not, you're not even supposed to be doing that. And one time so far, out of, out of the three other verses we just read, one time Paul says, yeah, these specific ones out of the circumcision party, they're all right. <laughs> these specific ones. But all the other ones, yeah, insubordinate. These guys are out of line. They're not supposed to be doing what they're doing. And, uh, and we do see the name James come up a couple times. I want you guys to realize that. That's, that's important. So let's go to, back to Acts 10. And again, the name James is important what, what, for what's coming up anyway. But that's down the line. Not too far ahead, though. Oh, I'm sorry, Acts 11. So anyway, quick background on that. That, that was just a quick little hit a couple uh, important pieces there. So uh, Acts 11, 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. And this will be a constant. You'll have the circumcision party constantly there and being a nuisance and being a type of thorn in the side, right? I'm not saying that is what he means when he says thorn in the side, but that's what they're like. They come in bringing their, their old style, their old stuff, and it just con- continues to be a nuisance. Why? Because everywhere he goes, here come these cockroaches, right, of the circumcision party showing up. Oh, great. Hey, you're saved. High five. Now here's some new rules for you. What? No. No, anyway, all right, let's keep going. You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it, uh, explained it to them in order. And here he goes through the whole list. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet uh, descending, being let down from heaven uh, by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, P- uh, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing. <laughs> He's giving you the story again, guys. For nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And here he's talking about Acts 10. Okay. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us uh, how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa, and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So even this explains to you why Cornelius was so important in, in Acts 10. Why did it have to be that way? Why did it have to be that guy? Think of all the pieces. Cornelius, again, we said it last week, perfect guy, right? The guy's already basically worshiping God you know, at his capacity, as best as he knows. Not bad. God takes it. He's okay with that. All right, I'll take it. I see your heart. That's what he's looking at, right? Your heart. He gets the guy, and then notice, here's the miracle aspect. Let's talk about miracles for a sec. What, is, uh, what does Cornelius get? He gets a message, right? Hey, I want you to go talk to this guy, right? To, to Peter. Peter gets this, this amazing, uh, you know, the, the sheet, that, that message, right? Why do all these grandiose things have to happen? Because of the transition. We're talking to Gentiles now. Chapter 11 is all about that. Look, the moment uh, the, the first Gentile gets saved, what do we get? Boom, circumcision party shows up. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. What are you doing? What are you doing? It had to be grandiose. It had to be big. It had to be miraculous. So let's talk about miracles for a second. If you guys remember, we talked about miracles years ago. But there's another thought here. Miracles, generally speaking, I think especially here, they have to happen. Because one, it's just starting out. Okay? That's, how, that's, their, that's their language. That's how they understood things. Miracles have to happen. It's, 
I hate to, I, I hate to cheapen it this way, but it's, it, it's a, in a weird way, God proving, hey, it's me. All right, so I'm, I'm cheapening it just to say that. I, I don't like to say it like that, but and I say it like that because I, God doesn't owe anyone proof. Let just let, does that make sense? But He does it because you know what? You guys need it. That's what you guys need here. here here's a miracle for you. But in if if we define miracle as as a miracle, something that naturally and normally happens, no, that's the opposite of a miracle, right? Miracles aren't supposed to happen. Miracles aren't supposed to happen naturally all the time, everywhere. That's why it's a miracle. That's why it's wow. This is amazing. Okay. I say that because people get weird. Oh, we, we, we want miracles all the time. We, 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 we're expecting miracles every time we show up to church. Man, why? Don't you believe? Don't you? Because that's what generally what the miracles were for, to help the person believe or to help the group believe. Especially a situation like this where we have a Gentile, an outsider, coming into the fold. Yes, you're going to need some miracles in that one because the people will not understand. And part of the miracle is this right here. Guys, yes, it's God moving. Let me tell you the story. Here, look, it's miraculous. He got the same message that I did. And his people showed up right when I got this message. And guess what? They took me to him. And wouldn't you believe it? A Gentile got saved. Wow, that's a miracle. Do you see? It had to happen that way. All right, so I'm not saying don't, don't expect miracles. God can do what he wants. But don't live based, basing our lives or basing your life on miracles. Oh, if a miracle doesn't happen today at church, then God's not there. That, that's, that's foolishness. That's, that's immature. That's just immature. God's always there. But you don't need miracles. You're already saved. You're mature. Will he, do, will he still do miracles? Yes, of course, and we've seen them. But I would hope that your heart would be more towards the miracle of, of God turning hearts and not just, you know, making someone whole. That's, that's awesome, all right? But here's my philosophy, and I'm, I'm sure you'll understand. A withered hand becoming whole. Miraculous? Absolutely. Amazing? Yes. The moment that person dies, though, that hand's useless. So I would hope that your heart would be towards the miracle of, of people repenting, people turning to God, and, and that, that's miraculous, if you ask me. That, that is the greatest miracle, because that's everlasting. Anyway, enough about miracles. So, But I, I want you guys to see there had to be a miraculous edge to this. So these... The circumcision party would, would hear it and be like, oh, yeah, wow, it is God. It is, it's his pattern. Yeah, that's totally him. Okay, okay, so that's, that's where we are. All right, so, uh, okay, so the six brothers uh, also accompanied me. Verse 13, he told us how he had seen the, uh, the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. Verse 14, he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. Verse 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them. On who? In chapter 10, it was Cornelius and his family, okay? Just as on us at the beginning. You know, like the same thing as us, circumcision party. Okay, so do you see what, he, what he's saying there? And I remembered the word of the Lord, uh, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same, same gift to them as he gave to us uh, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was, uh, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell, uh, they fell silent. And that's the best part right there. Luckily... The circumcision party heard, maybe they're Jews, right? And what did Peter speak? He spoke, not, not literally Jewish, but their idea. Okay, look, here, here's the proof it was God. Look at all these miracles that happened. Everything lined up perfectly. It's miraculous, right? And that's the key thing. And then guess what? The whole family got saved. Oh, and then by the way, they got baptized. Oh my gosh, just like us? Yeah, just like us. Wow, that must be God. This is still hard for them to, to, to believe and to take. Okay, there's a lot to this, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more here. Uh, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let's look at um, Joel 2 again. We, we looked at this back in Acts 2, but let's look at Joel 2. Because more than likely, this is what they're thinking. 
And this is in connection to that. So Joel 2, 30, I'll just, I'm just going to read two verses here. Joel 2, 31 and 32. Um, let's see, maybe 30? Uh, well, verse 30. Because this is the part, remember, that Peter recites in Acts 2. So uh, he says, uh, Joel 2, verse 30. And I will show wonders in heaven and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to, uh, moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord uh, comes. They think this is happening. That's, this is what they think is happening. Did it happen? No, it didn't. Because remember the rest of the verse in verse 32, and it, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, good. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those uh, whom the Lord calls. Has the great day of the Lord come? No, no, it hasn't. But they thought it did. They thought it was coming. That's part of the reason why I think these, the circumcision party had such an issue. Wait, you mean the Gentiles are, are saved? How is that possible when this whole great day of the Lord thing? Because in, in their brain, they're thinking, well, they're outsiders. And for them to come in to our fold, they're either going to come in kicking and screaming or with, with some sort of contention and problems. and all, That's what they're thinking. Because what? We have, we have Abraham, right? Remember, that they always say that. We have Abraham. They don't have them. And for them to come into the fold, what do they think? In fact, what do they think of Messiah? What did they think Messiah was going to be? He was going to come in and he's going to run the, the, the politics. He's going to run the military. He's going to force everybody, right? There's going to be like this force. Is that the way Jesus came? No, not really. He came in a whole different way, right? But that's what they were expecting. In fact, that's what they're still expecting. Do you see? So unfortunately, they're, they're, they're still under that... Um, the, uh, the veil. The veil has not been revealed uh, to some, unfortunately, even to this day, right? But that's part of the reason why the circumcision party can't handle this. Like, wh what do you mean? How did the Gentiles just walk right in? Why wasn't there kicking and screaming? Why wasn't there yelling and, and, and fighting about this? In fact, wait, they just chose? Like, they, like they just walked in? Like, it was okay? Like, wait, wait, you, they wanted to do this? That's the miracle. Yeah, exactly. God's moving. That's what's going to be the difficulty of the Jews even to this day. No, no, that, that can't be. The Messiah didn't show up. Of course he didn't. Look at the state of Jerusalem. You know, they're going to give you all these excuses. Well, you missed the whole point, buddy. I'm sorry. Sorry to say. Anyway, let's go back to Acts. But I want you guys to see these a couple of verses. There's other verses we can go to, but they're looking at Jesus showing up as even, even, um, even Judas. I mean, the way he handles things, he's expecting him to kind of start taking over, right? That's why Judas likes to be so close. Hey, I'll, I'll be the, uh, the treasurer to your to your soon-to-be political move, right? Part, part of the reason. It's part of why is, Judas, why is Judas so upset all the time? Why does Jewish, Jewish, Judas have an issue with Jesus? Because you, you didn't take over the politics the way I thought you were going to do it. That's what Messiah is supposed to do. And that's what Judas is so upset about and, well, and ends up selling him out, right? That's part of the reason. Anyway, go back to Acts uh, uh, 11. But this, this will be the constant issue. So the issue is we had to start with the Jews of the day, right? That, that's just where it started. But it ends up being the Gentiles. The Gentiles are not going to have an issue with that whole Old Testament Jewish frame of looking at Jesus as this military type of running, running the show that way. In fact, it's supposed to be spiritual. Anyway, and you guys understand that. So Acts uh, eleven nineteen. So I just want you guys to know just a little bit of that there. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen uh, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So you see what's happening? Why? Why wouldn't they talk to anybody else but Jews? Well, Gentile territory is already weird. And Stephen just got killed, so now we're scared. And, oh yeah, well, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah is for the Jews. That's what they're thinking, all right? But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and, and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, uh, also preaching the Lord Jesus. 
So they're going to kind of reach out a little bit further, right? And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to, to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Notice how they talk about Barnabas. Isn't that great? Remember what he said in Galatians? You guys even almost took Barnabas with you, circumcision party. He, he almost fell for it, guys. So he's talking about this guy. So Barnabas, great guy. When he came and saw it, the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Now check this line out. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. So we have this really awesome way of explaining Barnabas, good guy, faithful guy. And then you got this line. So then he, then he goes to find Saul. Why does he do that? What is it about Saul that Barnabas knows? Or why does he want him there? Or remember, where are we going now? Gentile territory. We're going outside of our, our comfort zone. Who else knew the Gentile territory? Well, better than, than anyone else in the, in the fold. Saul. Saul knows the outside. Saul knows, if you will, the Western world, as we would call it, right? Who else would do it? I mean, think of the story so far. He's like the only one who qualifies. There's nobody else, right? Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when, uh, when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. Uh, they met with the, with the church. How long were they there? A year. How long are like, these little evangelistic little movements and things? Uh, one night. One night only. No, this guy was there for a year. What are they doing for a year? Well, again, who are we talking about? Saul. Well, Paul, right? Saul in this time. Why, do they, why does Barnabas want him? Again, we talked about he understands the Western world. He understands, you know, he, Roman citizen, right? So Gentile territory. Does he know scripture? Very good. Yeah, very well. He's, Pharisee, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. Uh, grew up under Gamaliel, right? And we read a little bit about Gamaliel. That guy was a, that guy was a genius. I love that line. Hey, you know what? These, these uh, the, the the ones that they, you know follow Jesus. Hey, it's, if it's not real, just just let them be. It'll fall. It'll fall out. What? A, what a. It's still like like wow, man. That's that's a that's one heck of a line, man. That's a wise man. Just that one line that told told me a lot about him. Anyway, so uh, he knows scripture, right? Paul knows scripture. Does he know things outside of scripture? Oh yeah. Oh man, he does. Remember when he goes, and this is maybe another time, but he goes to, the, to that place and there's all these different gods, statues, and then, and then there's that one unknown god at the end over there. He knows the gods, and then he knows the one who's the unknown god. He knows their stuff. He knows their writings. He knows their books. He knows their gods. Do Peter and all these guys? Probably not. If they do, it's very weak. You're not going to be able to stand up with, you know, um, especially the Greeks who are all very logical and everything is, I mean, man, their, their world is different than the Jews, right? And, and we see that contention, and, and, and Paul talks about that, right? Anyway, all right, so uh, so verse 26, and when he had, found, uh, he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, why is that line important? Well, okay, first mention, awesome, okay, that's good, but what else? It's the first time this word is being used. The word Christian isn't an Old Testament word. It's found nowhere until right here. You know what that means? It's a movement, and now we have to label the movement. Something is happening, and they're not Jews anymore. They're not the circumcision party anymore. These guys are Christians. They're different now. There's something different about this. Do you see what just happened? It, it like it's like it just got like it got super official right now because there's so there's so many now. There's so many of this group now. Well, what's that group over there? You can't just say oh, it's just a random group. No, no, the, the, we call those the Christians. You see what just happened? They're labeled. They got a name now. All right. 
Um, now, I don't know if that's a good thing. I'm just saying, right? But they're labeled. All right. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named uh, Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So wow, look at that. The, the spirit is moving. The spirit is moving. It's just more proof the spirit is moving. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability. Let's go back to socialism really quick. Was this forced? Were they told, you better provide or everyone gets the... No. Everyone's ability, whatever you can provide, you provide, okay? Just more proof it's not socialism, all right, guys? All right. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. All right. There we are. That's Acts 11 for you. It's, it's a short chapter. It's, it's, it's packed with a lot of stuff. Again, it's part of the transition. And look at what the problem with the transition is. Here it is right off the bat, right after Cornelius is saved. We've already got contention. The Jews show up, wait a minute. How do you have outsiders coming in? Yeah, they're supposed to come in too. What do you mean? Well, here's the other part. Let's go to the end of Luke. Uh, Luke 24, uh, 44 says, Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then what? He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's what made the disciples so different. That's why they didn't have the issues that the other circumcision party did. Now, Peter starts to have, have, his, has, have his, has his moments, right? But the circumcision party, the, the uh, Acts knew people who got saved. They don't have this moment with Jesus. Jesus broke stuff down. He explained how the Old Testament connected to him and who he was and how he was going to fulfill, how he did fulfill it. Where the, the new circumcision party, they didn't get that experience. That's why you're going to have this continuous issue all the way through, all the way through. All right, but I just want you guys to notice that right, right the moment, the moment the word Gentile happens, bam, the next chapter already we got problems. The next chapter. So anyway, it's the beginning uh, to, to some crazy things that will happen and it still exists to this day in the church, by the way. So, so nice little cliffhanger for you. Until next time. Okay. Thank you for listening to today's message. 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If this message has been a blessing to you, we ask that you be a cheerful giver to this ministry by going to finallyalive.com forward slash give. We'll meet you again next time as we grow together and learn to be finally alive in Christ.